Good morning, all. Brother Grant said, just start and everything will fall in place. So I trust that it will. Good morning. Our Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your holy presence that is with us and in us. We trust that you will guide us in everything said and done today. May we all, Lord, be melded together as the body of Christ is supposed to be. In the name of Jesus, every ear, a listening ear, every heart, an understanding heart, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, the growth of the church is, you may be seated, thank you so much. The growth of the church is um, <clears throat> perhaps the greatest interest of mine. <clears throat> I was privileged to grow up in a growing church. It was growing not only in maturity of the believers, but it was growing numerically. We really should not ask how can we grow, but we should ask what keeps us from growing. The reason for that is the church is not an organization that is just seeking out purely mechanical means of making things happen and people to be attracted to the church, but the church is an organism. We are the body of Christ. It is a living entity. I, I, in a casual reading of the scripture, I, I skip around in my scripture reading. It depends on the hunger of my heart. It depends on what I think the Lord may want me to be reading in a, in a particular time. And at one particular time, I, was, I started the book of Genesis, and I hadn't gotten very far into it until I believe I saw a pattern even in the book of Genesis for church growth. It's, 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 it's a very similar side-by-side uh, -side example of the beginning of the creation and the, the growth of the church. There is nothing like being in a church, part of a church that is growing. The interest, the new people, the excitement, the challenges, and I believe that Satan has pushed us into a corners. One of the corners that I that I find so much, and, I, and it's never spoken, but I believe it is there, is we find it hard to win people because we are expecting them before we even get to the point of inviting them to church or witnessing to them, we are thinking about, my God, how am I going to get this person to bite off and chew and swallow everything that I have bitten off, chewed and swallowed? When I was growing up, I'm just being frank with you. When I was growing up, a woman had to come in. She had to start wearing a girdle. She had to wear hose. She had to put her hair up. She could not appear in town in curlers. This was all in the third chapter of the book of Acts.
I'm serious. I mean, there would be a snap of the head, one of the old mature believers in the church, if they saw somebody in town. Well, they didn't get the Holy Ghost I got. The Holy Ghost I got taught me to put some binders on and so on and so forth and straighten up and fly right, put your hair up. Thank God that in most places that is some of the least of our worries, right? But in those days and even now, you think about, oh, my God, they've got to have the revelation of the oneness of God. They have to believe in the necessity of speaking in tongues. They have to have a rudimentary knowledge of holiness and dress codes and what that means. And that is so daunting and so big to us that we just back off until we find somebody who's just so hungry for anything that they'll just bite and swallow. Not thinking about that. About how many of us was there a process given to us? There was time given to us. Come on, just come and come to church, okay? You don't have the Holy Ghost? Well, let's work on that, okay? You, you're not, you know, got... A modest dress going, come on, let, hey, just not, hey, just chill. Uh, come on, just be with us. Just let the Spirit of God work. Let the Word of God work. And when we view it like that, it's much easier. Just come on, y'all, be with us, right? I remember Brother Kilgore said, you know, if you get try to make everybody, you, you'll run more people off when there could be a lot of people that just, they just, they love being with the saints. I, I told Wiki the other day, in our in our town, even though we had a growing church, uh, the the townspeople, the pillars of the community loved singings, Pentecostal singings, and so we'd have singspirations, and the the town pillars would come out. And they'd sit there, boy, while the choir was singing and shouting and carrying on. They loved the soulfulness of it. But you never saw them again after that. And part of the reason was is if they're not ready to bite this whole apostolic message, bless God, go split the pit. Come on. Invite them over. Hey, we're going to have coffee and cake at our house. Won't you? Would you all come over? You know, be with us. Give them a bridge from where they are. Amen. And some, <laughs> I'm learning this now, that there are some people that are never going to grow and they're never going to change, but it is our duty to provide them an atmosphere for that to happen, whether they do it or not. We are travail, to travail over them. We are to intercede for them. But if, when we get done, we get up and worship God and move on. But we provide a place for that change to take place. In the mix of it all, there are going to be people that are going to bite. They're going to come along. Praise God. So in this first chapter of the book of Genesis, as I was reading there, I saw uh, in the third verse, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The first step that has to happen for church growth is there has to be a, a setting of awareness. Awareness. Light brings awareness. Also, impending visits of company brings awareness. People coming to see you. 
Oh, my God. I mean, all of those Kleenexes you left laying around, you, oh, Jesus, have mercy. No telling they can't come today, right? But light brings awareness, and if there is any need in, in the church, the body of Christ, it is awareness. Awareness of what? Awareness of everything that pertains to the growth of the church from the front door to the back. Um, one of the one one reason behind the scenes that uh, Jim McInvale is so successful at Gallery Furniture is he has impromptu meetings with his staff. He'll just because he's there seven days a week, and when the store is closed, he's climbing up through racks of furniture, looking to decide what's going to be on sale the next week or the next day, and he's doing all this stuff, and 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 you you can look at him and tell that. Pretty is not the reason that he's successful. Just say it, okay? Uh, and, but but he, he does that, but he'll call an impromptu co- uh, uh, a group of his employees. Say, come over here, come over here. Tell me about these couches. Tell me about them. Well, they're six-way hand-tied, this material, all the details about it. He expects them to know that. He is creating, train. he trains and creates awareness. So, the, so they don't just stand up there like, you know, somebody with dumb dripping off their chin. I don't know about this couch. You want it? We'll buy it. You know, he's creating a, a, a an awareness of what's going on in that store. Wiki and I have spent quite a few hours at MD Anderson in the hospital and going to the clinic. And then my mother broke her hip and she went to another. They took her to another hospital and I thought, actually, I was in Zimbabwe. Yes, downtown hospital. And I found one nurse that looked like she had some intelligence in her eyes. And I called her over to the side and I said, Sweetheart, can you please help me to understand here? There is total chaos at this hospital. The dietary people, no one acts like they want to be here. The dietary people are disgruntled the the tech staff don't know what they're doing the hospital is dirty and I said we we've been over at MD Anderson she said ah therein lies the rub she said I served an internship at MD Anderson she said there is constant training going on what does training do it brings awareness it's like to the hostess, are you aware your breath is bad? You know, I don't know how sometimes my breath will be bad and it's right under my nose, but Wiki can smell it across the room. But here it is right here under my olfactory unit, and I'm not aware. Honey. Come on. Awareness. A word brings awareness. We're tra- traveling along with one pastor and his wife, and she'd tap him on the shoulder. She was sitting in the back seat of the truck. The air conditioner was coming first by him. Honey. Come on. Awareness. Light brings awareness. 
I, I have had sessions with churches and I and I call out people who teach about management, training, enlargement, growth, etc. And their books have been out there for 30 years at least. And I call their name, uh, you know, like we would call out Brother Stonekey or Brother Jeff Arnold or Brother David Bernard. And they go, who? And I think, oh, Jesus, I am in trouble here. Because all they know, most people's idea of church growth is just be busy. Busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. But wait, we have to stop. Is busy making anything happen? Is busy bringing me to success? Is busy bringing me to productivity? It doesn't impress me at all when I hear, oh, camp meeting was second to none, glory to God. We had church. Uh Uh-huh. And how many received the Spirit? And how many were healed? And because our coming together is to produce and provoke change. Not just to be chums together while we dream of what we're going to do this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. Awareness. I saw a deal the other day. Uh, it's free seminar in Sugarland on on Social Security. Well, I'm not aware of a lot of things, so I need to go to that so that I can learn when the day comes about Social Security that I will know some things about Social Security because I am not aware of that. And a lot of times we say, I want to know about something, but we never pursue it. Never pursue it. And here's the thing. Our desire, our reach reveals our desire. Our reach reveals our desire. You say you want to play the piano, but you never buy a piano. You never go and you never practice. You're you're just beating your gums. Come on. Brother David was talking to me this morning, and he's got, he's, have you all ever heard of XP, computer program? I mean, or OS, operating system, XP? XP. And I said, man, I know what you're talking about. I didn't want to go to Windows 10. Crazy, man. I don't want to learn something new. I think I was on Vista or something. Man, I don't want to do this. I'm happy. I got my routine. I got my rut, and it's real comfy. Come on. But we have to break out of ourselves. Become aware. I I wanted church growth so badly, I nearly worked myself. I did. I was, I guess it's a nervous breakdown because, I mean, I just had the, the, the yips. I know they usually put that for golf, but I had the preacher yips. And I kept about 10 books. I'd read a chapter out of every one before I went to sleep at night. I've got to get this. I've got to get this. I've got to get this. What am I missing? Because we're told if you pray, you'll have a big church. 
and we prayed. We didn't have a big church. He said, you teach Bible studies, you have a big church. We taught Bible studies, didn't have a big church. Come on. And if you fast, you'll have, you know, and I mean, I, I had friends that went around, had to wear suspenders, keep their britches up. You know, they fasted, but they didn't have a big church. Not saying that any one of those things is not an important ingredient to growing a church, okay? It is. It is. But there, there is a recipe. There is a divine recipe for Peace Tabernacle in Baytown, Texas. There is a recipe. I can see that recipe in my mind eye. I can see that recipe. And it is not formidable. It is not impossible. It is doable. It is tangible. No matter what you're feeling right now, no matter if you feel daunted, if you feel worn out, if you feel overwhelmed, Jesus Christ knows that. He's the Lord of the church. It's his church. We work, we're co-laborers with him, right? And he can teach us awarenesses. <clears throat> and I've, I've shared it till it's worn out. But, I mean, our deal, we taught Bible studies, we fasted, we prayed, and so on, so on and so forth. But nothing happened until we just started going to people's homes and just sitting and visiting with them, letting them know we care for them. We care for you. Come on. And the very next week, there were new visitors in church. And in less than five months, we had doubled in attendance. People coming every week. You know what the Bible said? It says, unto whom much is given, much is required. Peace Tabernacle, you've been given some stuff, some big time stuff. <clears throat> you've been given a place in the community. A powerful place to where the economics of this community are coming around you. I mean, Marshalls, whoa. Praying for TJ Maxx. Academy for all of us gorillas. Come on. Getting all these in. Kroger, H-E-B. Starbucks, yes. And not just one, but I see two. Glory to God. And that's right here around you. And those are nice people that go in there. Then there's a Ross that's tacked on. You've got all of this. What is that saying? It's saying that, that something is happening in a positive economical manner in this community, and you are smack dab in the middle of it. Hallelujah. And so unto whom much is given, much is required. And here someone has come and given you some dollars for a piece of your property. Unto whom much is given, much is required. Are we just, you know, there, they, they say there's about six different kinds of churches. There's a classroom church. Anybody ever heard of Chuck Swindoll on the radio? Anybody ever heard of Chuck Swindoll? Would you lift your hand? Chuck Swindoll pastors a classroom church. It's where everyone gathers to hear the pastor teach and explain the word. There is a spiritual high church. That is where it's driven by 
choirs and singing and, and heavy, loud preaching and everything. And people come and woo, they get full. And, and uh, there's, uh, there's a social church, which we got to feed the poor. We got to clothe the hungry. That's all they're all about. There's the ritual church. That's the Catholic church where they celebrate and make the sign of the cross and so on and so forth. And then, uh, and, but that's, the, that's all that those churches do. Then there is, there is the family church. And if I may be so bold, I think that, that Peace Tabernacle is a family church. Birthdays, anniversaries, together again, praising the Lord. Don't see anybody new, but we're together again. In one accord, family church. After church, the youth are going to be serving tacos. Let's get together for some wonderful warm fellowship. After church today, Sister Bebop has a birthday, and we have a large cake back there. The hindrance of that kind of a church is it's inclusive. If you're not in the family, don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Second thing, once we have awareness, uh, that light comes. When the light came, anybody that could have seen the earth could have seen that the earth was without form and it was void. So when you have Awareness, you look around yourself and you say, oh, my goodness. Oh, Jesus, there is so much that needs to be done. So the second thing comes, verse 6, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And what that was was the second thing is an atmosphere was created, an atmosphere for the man and, and his family that were going to occupy the planet. An atmosphere was created. Singing, worship, prayer creates atmospheres. Come on. A person that's steeped in the word and in the spirit, can a hostess can create an atmosphere for the church. And nearly 30 years cumulative of going to different churches, believe me, you see everything. And I make notes of those things. And I've been to churches where, where the host staff just, I mean, it's a wonder you didn't get saved in the lobby because they just draped you with love. I remember one church in this metro area, and there was a particular sister. She was tall, and she was so gracious. And, and, and you just, you kind of stand in line for her to greet you because she just would just love you, love you, love you. And you just, oh, Jesus, have mercy. I mean, I, I knew her. I knew her sons. I, and, you know, I've stayed in their home. But when I came to church, there she was in the lobby, tall, stately, but she was full of the Spirit of God. An atmosphere was being created. What kind of atmosphere are we are we creating? When a song is sung, um, uh, I we have to be careful of atmospheres. We have to pursue an atmosphere. Does that make sense? 
that when the presence of the Lord seems to be moving, if I think he seems to be wanting to do something, that I wait patiently and I pursue that. I'm careful not to diminish it. I'm careful to want to make it larger. Hmm? Brother Sister Brookhall, your days there in Beaumont, Brother Cole was all about pursuing an atmosphere. Let's wait, church, just a minute here. The Lord may want to speak. There may be someone who is hungry for God here. Let's hold on just a moment. Let's pursue this atmosphere. And the longer they waited, the greater the atmosphere, the heavier, the thicker the glory of God was in the place. How long has it been since we've done that? Atmosphere. Sometimes we're so concerned with watching the clock. But the Holy Ghost, he may just need another moment to work with somebody. Come on. I, I visited uh, years ago when the Brownsville revival at the Assembly of God Church down there, I visited that revival, went there two or three times, and, and there was such a permeable atmosphere of the Holy Ghost that was there. At times, the evangelist, uh, Steve Hill was his name, he would give an extended invitation. I just feel like if we wait another moment, there are, there are others that are making their decision, come on, to, to come to the Lord. And the further he went, the greater the intercession, intercession came until uh, intercessors, people would lay down in the aisles and begin to travail for souls that were in the balance. And... Each time, I feel like we need to extend it. Sometimes it'd be 30 minutes. I feel we need to extend it just a little bit more. And then every time, there'd be a new passel of people, a new release of people that would step out from where they were and come down the front. I'm sorry that, you know, they they didn't teach or uh, what we like for people to do, but but the the, the basics were there. An atmosphere. Sometimes a song can create an atmosphere. I remember uh, Bishop Morris Golder in Indianapolis. He said, we should sing until we find the song the Lord likes. Because when he likes it, something happens. There's an atmosphere that is created. There is a, what is an atmosphere? It is a quickening. It is not, Let's move on because of the clock or let's move on because nobody. What is the Spirit of God wishing to say and do? And I'm sorry, folks, but I'm telling you, I can count on this hand in 30 years how many places pursue an atmosphere. It's sad. We are the people of atmospheres when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Come on. And I know there have been times I I felt so dumb because everybody's looking at me. Atmosphere, there ain't no atmosphere in here. Come on, dude, let's move on. No, but a church's approach and a church's desire for that atmosphere can cause it to increase or cause it to disappear. 
We think that Jesus just does what he wants to do when he, when he wants to. He will not. In Nazareth, he could there do no mighty work. He could not. Their unbelief restricted him, kept him from doing mighty works. And our lack of desire, our lack of pursuit of an atmosphere of his presence can release or bind. It does. <clears throat> my, 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 my. Let me get one more here before we change. An atmosphere would lead to a third thing in the third day. And that is an abode, a place for people. And God said, let the waters of the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. There has to be a place for people that are coming. It's not enough just to have an upper atmosphere and a lower water body. There has to be a land for them to live on. An abode has to be fixed for them to live in. So, I really love... Well, guy in California, Saddleback, Rick Warren. He says that whatever a pastor is is what a church will follow. And a pastor, if he is not on an, a schedule, will always reproduce in a service and in his ministry what he is. If a pastor is a soul winner, if he's not careful, the church will only be about soul winning. Because that's his core ministry. The pastor is about teaching, then it will be that. My deal is about victorious Christian living, and no matter where I start, I may start out with the oneness of God, but I'm going to end up on being victorious in Jesus. That I mean, that's just where I am. Always has been. Okay? But Rick Warren said, it is, it is important that a church becomes a purpose-driven church, not, uh, uh, you know, just doing what, whatever happens. I, I've been in so many services that, that places where, you know, one Sunday, it's coming to the Lord. Glory to God. And Wednesday night, it's killer biscuits. You know, the 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 bread that came rolling down and conquered the armies for Gideon. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then the next service is seven dunks and a muddy pond. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And and it's all meant to, to make froth. We yeah, had church tonight. Glory to God. Really? Okay, what happened? Man, I don't know, but boy, he laid it down. He shook the corn tonight. Glory, hallelujah. Did you eat any of the corn? Man, I don't know. By God, I just felt so good in church. I felt powerful, powerful, powerful. No purpose. It's not going anywhere. An abode. First base. Well, it's all, it's an acronym. But first of all, we have to magnify the Lord. We have to come into his presence. We have to do what we find as awareness and then the atmosphere. We create the atmosphere of magnifying the Lord. Then first base, he likened it to a baseball diamond. First base is to get people into membership of the church. 
into membership. And there has to be a plan for that. How are we going to get people into membership? We're going to teach Bible studies. We're going to invite them. If we're shy, we're going to lay tracks on the back of the commode and H-E-B. Hallelujah. And then sneak out of there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to keep them down in our coat, something like that. Amen. I'm done winning souls. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and so on and so forth. And I'm going to do it. Membership is first base. Second base is maturity. How, am, how are the new members going to mature? And there, there is prayer, Bible reading, fasting, church attendance, and tithing. Five basic things of maturity. When people are doing those, we can kind of call them mature. Third base is ministry. Find your ministry. And, and at Rick Warren's, you cannot have membership of the church unless you have a ministry. You find your ministry. What are you going to do for Jesus? Come on. Baking peanut brittle, making peanut brittle is a ministry. Those are usually the people that are going to leave the tracks on the back of the commode, N-H-E-B. Amen. They come right on out and they're shaking and making pe peanut brittle. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They're helping the church. They're bringing income in and so on and so forth. Right? Uh, there is music ministry and how important is music to all of us in the body of Christ. Right? There is a teaching ministry. Come on. There is a soul-winning ministry. And I know there, there are approximately 20% of any church are the evangelists in the church. I'm not talking about the licensed preachers, but 20% in a church generally is a rule of thumb that there will be people that can get people to church. We had a lady in her church that she and her husband fought regularly but she was a soul winner. And she would go out, she'd bring them to church, she pestered them, she, she'd scratch the screen to wake them up on Sunday morning. Come on, get, you gotta come to church. Come, come to church with me. And sometimes she'd have a row full of people. Once they got the Holy Ghost were baptized, she, they never heard from her again. It was over. But there were the rest of us that were ready, you know? We're ready. Ministry. And then uh, home plate is mission. Go and do your mission. You found your ministry. Now go do your ministry in the community, wherever. See, and that's just on track. And each month there was a change into a different base so that twice in a year you always come back to these very important points which bring a church into a place of ministry. And there is, a, there is an abode that is created. You have to have this because there are people that are coming in and and. They, they've got good natural sense. They get the Holy Ghost and say, man, I'm ready. Put me to work, glory to God. Where do you need me to do do something, you know? I read my little Bible the other day. said, what's every hand fine to do? Do it with all your mind. I'm ready. Where do you want me to go to work? Huh? What are you going to do if he's got three earrings and 99 tattoos and a mohawk? Yeah, come sing in the choir. Might shake some folk up if you do that. Huh? But if you're aware, you're prepared, hopefully. I said if you become aware, you'll become prepared, hopefully. Isn't that right? And you see, this is when you put your street talk on. Pastor, we have to do is we have to pull our shirt out before we can talk like this, you know. You say, hey, dude, man, we got a place for you. Totally rad. 
Man, where is it? Man, we get on our motorcycles and we go down to whatever street it is and we witness people bring them to church. Man, you got me, dude. I'm with you. Let's go off the chain. Let's do this. This out of the box. Come on, man. I feel this. Boat, a place. We're not unnerved by anything that walks through the door. And once the the awareness comes and the atmosphere is created, watch out who's going to come through the door. Watch out who you start meeting and interacting with. I was in a church recently, and um, it was a small town, and I stayed in a little motel court that they had there in town. <sighs> One of the ladies in the church told me that the Indian lady who owned the, the motel had just lost her husband three weeks before in an automobile accident. She doesn't have perfect English, but communi can communicate. And so... I felt like I couldn't leave there until I said something to her. So as I was checking out, I said, Ma'am, I just learned about your husband. Without another word, she started sobbing, tears running down her face. And I just took her by the hand and I said, I want you to know that someone cares for you. I wish I could be here to listen, have more time with you. So that night at church, it, in fact, it was one of the ladies in the church that told me about this. And I asked the pastor's wife, I said, have you all been down there to see that lady? Ooh, Lord have mercy. You know, that was on my mind, and I just forgot all about it. I said, you know what? You may be able to win that lady through nothing else but kindness and love and care. Come on. So I've talked to him a couple times since then. Oh, I want to tell you something. I went down there and I've spent time with her and you know, baked her a cake and all this type of stuff. And folks, unto whom much is given, much is required. 